invite you to turn to the 137th Psalm. Dr. Marriott has already warned you. This is not an easy psalm. You know, I honestly don't think we read psalms correctly. What most people do when they read the psalms is they're looking for a phrase or a verse that feels good, that's comforting, and we latch on to that and ignore everything else. That's really not the right way to read the psalms. That's not the right way to read the Bible. But that is our tendency, especially when we're dealing with a type of literature that's a bit foreign to us. And since I'm not a musician, music is a little bit more difficult for me, and I frankly have never liked poetry. Sorry. The problem is, so much of the Old Testament is poetry. So you better get used to it and figure out how to read it. Strange title. The Darkness of Remorse. Sometimes we refer to people as being in a dark place in their lives. And there are dark places. Uh, Frankly, most of them are self-inflicted. Occasionally, they're circumstantial and beyond us. It is improbable that you're going to arrive at the right interpretation of this psalm without addressing the background. And since we don't have a superscription to give us an author and a place, and how do we uh, discern the background of this passage? Well, it's pretty clear in the first uh, six verses that Israel was in captivity. The unique privileges of being God's chosen people have been squandered. The word of God has been ignored. The worship of God has been corrupted and compromised. And time after time, God sent prophets to warn God's people, to call them to repentance, and they refused. They would not hear until at long last the heavy hand of judgment fell upon the nation. First, the northern tribes were carried away into captivity by the Assyrians, and then the southern tribe of Judah succumbed to the Babylonians. Do you realize many thousands of people died horrendous deaths? And that probably more people died than were actually carried into captivity. When you read the raw numbers of how many actually were transported, You have to come to the realization lots and lots of people died. Here they are. Not because God did not love them. Not because God could not deliver them. He had time and again. Their situation was their own making. Now in humiliating remorse... They have time to reflect upon their choices and the consequences. And choices always have consequences. Good choices have good consequences. Bad choices can have horrendous 
consequences. Did you know that remorse is a terrible companion? It screams, too late, too late. This cannot be easily undone. How foolish we are to think that we can sow our wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. It doesn't happen. Commentators disagree as to when this psalm was composed, whether it was actually during the captivity or in retrospect after the return. Frankly, the emotion is the same. We do not know the author, but we do know that he encompasses the suffering of a people who had abandoned their God and found themselves far from home, devoid of comfort, and filled with remorse. In Israel, in this, Israel was very much like the prodigal. He never planned to be where he landed either. The truth is, they were miserable. Misery is the byproduct of our sin. The misery in our world is a byproduct of the godlessness of our age. So the first three verses talk about that misery. Verse 1, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Babylon was a land of rivers. The Tigris, the Euphrates, the Chaboros, the Uli, and lots of tributaries and canals. Israel sat down by the rivers in fulfillment of prophecy. One of the prophets that God sent that they wouldn't listen to was Isaiah. Isaiah said in chapter 3 and verse 26, And her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. Implication, nothing to sit on. Everything gone. And that's where Ezekiel found himself in Ezekiel chapter 1. It came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, I was among the captivity by the river Chebar. These people wept as we all do if and when we come to our senses and realize where our sin and rebellion has taken us. Like Israel. Hopefully then we remember from whence we have fallen. This psalm could well be classified and probably is classified as one of the lament psalms. And the compassing sorrow sounds like the weeping of Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah in Lamentations 1, How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become a widow? She that was great among the nations and princess among the provinces, how has she become a tributary? She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of the great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. 
All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. The ways of Zion do mourn because none come to the solemn feasts and all her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh, her virgins are afflicted and she is in bitterness. What a sorry state to be in. But friends, that's where our sin always takes us. No one in this house sins with impunity. No, 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 no. I'm under grace and I'm forgiven and and I have a lasting standing with God. Yes, you do. But be sure your sin will find you out. And though your sin has been atoned, those wrong choices accrue to horrible consequences if we persist. Do you understand that God loves you too much to let you just go on down the wrong road forever? Well, what do they do? We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, resigned themselves, as it were, to their circumstances. Willow trees grow well by the Sides of waterways in this particular word, arabim, is usually in the plural and it always refers to this family of trees. Now why would they hang their musical instruments on a tree? If you are a musician, typically, when you are disconsolate, you turn to your music to comfort your heart and encourage you. Well, they hung their harps on the willow trees because it's hard to sing and play when your heart is broken. The first thing that disappears when your fellowship with God is interrupted is your joy. The very thing that the Bible tells us is our strength. It goes away because God is the source of our joy, consequently our strength, and when we are distancing ourselves from him, the joy automatically goes away. When your song is departed, you have to ask yourself why. When your harps are silent and the chords of praise can no longer ring out, you need to ask yourself why. Circumstances here heighten the pain because in verse 3, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song and they that wasted us required of us mirth saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion, which by the way were never secular songs. It's really interesting if you understand the Psalms at all. There are no secular themes in the Psalms at all. The music of Israel was not secular. We have our secular songs. We have our sacred songs. That was not the character of the nation of Israel. Do you realize our enemy rejoices when we cannot? The captors demanded a song. Those who wasted us, this word wasted, signifies a raving one, a bloodthirsty man, a tyrant, one who causes the cry of woe, a tormentor. 
Can you realize that the accuser of the brethren rejoices when God's people are in a dark place because of their sin? And he taunts us, even as the Babylonians taunted the children of Israel. The music of Israel is probably quite different from that of the surrounding nations. Let's hear some of your songs. We've heard about your worship music. Let's hear it. But there is no song. It dies on the lips because it's no longer in the heart. That leads Israel to muse, to think. And that's not an altogether bad thing. He raises a question. Verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? David recognized in his great penitential psalm, Psalm 51, verse 5, that sin had silenced his lips. He could not sing the songs of Zion because of his sin. And the Lord's song is a sacred thing. It is peculiar to temple worship, and therefore we dare not sing it in a land of strangers, of idolaters. There's something really incongruous about the Lord's song in the dark land of remorse. No longer the joy of the Lord, our strength. No longer do we sing a new song. Did you know you don't belong there? It's a strange land. It's not your land. You're a pilgrim and a stranger passing through a wicked world, that's true, but you as a believer, because of your relationship to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, have at least the possibility of continuous relationship and fellowship with God and to be in this dark place filled with remorse and sadness because of the consequences of decisions you've made. That's not where you belong. And that's not where God wants you to be. And God's song doesn't fit there. He raises a proposition in verses 5 and 6. If I forget. I think we just recently, either here in chapel or I heard it at church, how many times the Bible tells us not to forget. Maybe it was Dr. Marriott told us that in chapel. I don't remember. We do forget. The psalmist here says, If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. The psalmist cannot forget the past. He cannot forget the city uh, of Jerusalem where God had established his name and where God had dwelt with his people in the Shekinah glory over the mercy seat in the center of his worship. If the longing of his heart does not return to that place of blessing, then it would be better if his right hand no longer functioned. 
the Hebrew is a little interesting here because you have a verb without an object. Now, our English translation, you see the italics, has added an object because the verb kind of implies there is an object. We don't know if the psalmist is suggesting that my hand just doesn't work anymore or it simply cannot play the harp anymore. Either way, if, if I forget who I am and where I came from and who I belong to and what it ought to be, it's better that my hand no longer functions. I realize most of you don't read much church history and I don't read nearly as much as I would like to. Thomas Cranmer. Cranmer. English martyr, who at first recanted his faith. But he couldn't stay there. He, he was in a really dark place, but he couldn't stay there. And so he recanted his recant. He was arrested, condemned to be burned, and he took the hand that he had signed that recanting with and held it in the fire until it burned and fell off and then gave himself to the flame. That's radical. That's kind of as radical as what the psalmist is saying here. If I forget, if I don't turn back, It's as though the despair of the heart would leave the hand without a purpose. Worse, the voice will not work. If there is no genuine heart desire to return to Jerusalem by joy, uh, my chief joy, then my world is truly Miserable musings give way to painful memories in verses 7 through 9. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. The day of Jerusalem was the day that the Babylonians overcame the city and it fell and an ancestral enemy of Israel was not there that day. But they were standing on the sidelines, clapping their hands, rejoicing. Raise it, raise it, level the city. Take it down to nothing. That's why in Jeremiah 49, there's a fearful curse pronounced upon the Edomites. And then there's the memory of Babylon itself. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed? Happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh away, uh, that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. Babylon's, of course, no better than Edom. And these verses are admittedly difficult. 
This is the kind of imprecation that we just can't quite embrace. This is as dark or darker than the mood presented earlier in this passage. But the truth is that the Babylonians had cruelly murdered women and children because they were hard to transport, hard to move families. You can put chains on adults. It's hard to move children that far. The Babylonians were terribly cruel. But warfare in the ancient world, like warfare in any world, is always cruel. And it always seems to be most heartless against those who are most vulnerable. And what the psalmist envisions here, frankly, toward the Babylonians is exactly what they had done to Israel. And so this is an imprecatory prayer. Is this imprecatory prayer sub-Christian? Is it wrong and as wrong as the actions of the Babylonians? Well, the answer lies in the Scriptures. And here's the key to understanding this psalm. Isaiah prophesied of a coming judgment on Babylon many years before the captivity and before it actually happened. And interestingly enough, used this very terminology. Isaiah 13, verse 16, Their children shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled and their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the needs against them which will not regard silver, and as for gold, they will not delight in it. Their bows they also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye shall not spare children. How awful. How could anyone pray this way? Now, what I want to do in the very few minutes we have left I want to give you four criterion that must be in place if you're ever going to pray an imprecatory prayer, a prayer against. There are four critical criterion that must be in place. The first one is this. You better be sure you're right with God yourself. Kind of dangerous to call down the judgment of God on other people when you're living in disobedience. When your own heart is far from God, you must be willing to ransack your own soul for any deficiencies, any sins that need to be corrected because before you dare pray against anyone, you must be lifted out of the darkness of your own remorse for sin. You must be right with God to pray this kind of prayer. Second, you must be aware of the plan and purpose of God. That's why Isaiah's prophecy is such an important commentary on this psalm. You must know that God intends to address the wicked, perhaps in his own time, perhaps in his own way, but you have to know from the scriptures where God is going so that you can correctly pray in concert with where God is going. Third, 
you must remove yourself from the situation at hand. Because imprecatory prayer is not about you. It's not about your suffering. It's not about your wounded spirit. It is never about revenge. Revenge is sub-Christian. I mean, we're told, leave them alone. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So you can't pray this kind of prayer with genuine faith, integrity, and honesty if you're just wanting God to punish someone else because of something that happened to you. And then here's the final one that gets right back to Maranatha, to the praise of his glory. You must desire above all that the holiness of God would be vindicated and the glory of God would be exalted. It's naive not to realize we live in an incredibly wicked world and that the atrocities multiply daily. Because of our filtered news, You do know your news is filtered. You do know that you don't know a fraction of what's going on in the world. You do know that there are wars other than Russia and Ukraine, as bad as that is. And that there are terrible things happening in all kinds of places in a very wicked world that is headed for judgment, as the country preacher said, as surely as the Martin to his gourd. And what can we do? Well, who among us needs to deal with step one? You cannot be sensitive to the will of God. I don't think you can even discern the will of God if I understand Romans 12, 1 and 2 correctly, if you're not right with God. You can't prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can't pray according to his will because you don't even know what it is. You must ever concentrate on step one. It's me. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I am willing to be transparent before God. There's hardly a transparent person in this room. None of us really want others to see us the way we really are. We want others to see us the way we want them to think we are. And we can probably accomplish that for the most part. But I can't do that with God. Dumbest thing anybody ever did was lie in his heart to God. So you have to address step one. Are you in a dark place? And some of you are, periodically. I deal with students who pass through some dark places in their lives. Well, what are you doing about it? How did you get there? What needs to be addressed? What needs to be confessed? Let's get fellowship with God restored. Get the joy of the Lord back in our hearts so we can take our harps off the willow trees 
and sing and rejoice in our God who is in control even in a world that looks like it's out of control. Turn back from your sin, turn toward God, and he'll impress upon your heart how to pray, who to pray for, and how to do it in a God-honoring way, even if it's an imprecatory prayer. Let's pray. Father, most of us never look at the Psalms to see a dark Psalm like this one. And when we do, we hurry through it, skip past it, because it's not anything we want to think about very much. But you put this here for us to admonish us, to challenge us, that we would examine ourselves, that we would come out of the darkness into the light, And walk as we are, children of light, to enjoy your presence in the fullness of joy, to get out of the strange land and back to the place where we belong. And then as we address the evil that's going on around us, and sometimes have to address the consequences of sin in our own lives, we can do so in faith and confidence that you're a God of mercy. They're new every morning and we're in desperate need of them all. So encourage us even from a dark psalm that you're still a good God and that you love us even when you chasten. In Jesus' name, amen.